morning, everybody. Um, so if you've been here in previous weeks through December, we've been looking at this word treasure. And um, a couple of weeks ago, um, John was speaking, and he asked us to consider this question, who and what do you treasure? And um, this evening, what we're going to do is sort of flip that question upside down and spend some time considering who treasures you, who treasures us. And I think that's quite an important question, actually, because personally, I, I suspect that deep down, we all, to some degree, long to be treasured by someone, to be the apple of someone's eye. We want to be um, you know, appreciated and loved by our, by our partner, if we have one. Or perhaps if we're, if we're single, there might be someone in our life who we kind of secretly admire and we hope that they feel the same way about us. Um, as parents, we want to be treasured by our kids. You know, when you come home after a day's work, you want them to just like go, Mommy, Daddy, and come running over and jump on you, or at least look up from their tablets for a moment to acknowledge that you exist. Just personal stuff there. Yeah, a, work, a work appraisal. You want, you want your boss, you just long for that moment where your boss puts down the paperwork and just says, look, without you, this company would fall apart. That's the moment that we all want. And, um, you know, if you spend a couple of minutes, just a couple of minutes on social media, you can scroll through a sea of people who are, who are putting themselves out there in different ways and just wanting somebody to respond, just wanting somebody to show some sign that they, that they affirm, that they approve, that they're celebrated, because we want that. We want to be loved. We want to be needed. We want to be known. We want to be treasured. And Christmas, I think, is a time of, of year where perhaps we feel that even more keenly than usual. You know, we start asking in October, don't we, like, who are, you, who are you spending Christmas with? Because it's important to us. We want to be around people that we treasure, and we want to be treasured by them at this time of years. And that's why we, we jump through all these logistical hoops to make sure that we see everybody, and we drive long distances, and we sleep on half-inflated airbeds, just so that we can be near the people that we treasure, because we want to feel that warmth. And perhaps that's one of the reasons, when you think about it, why Christmas is a little bit stressful sometimes, because you know, everybody wants to be treasured at the same time. And everybody's expectations are up here. They have this vision of, of, of what it's going to be like, you know, like the perfect dinner where everyone's sat around, and, and who will be there, and how we'll laugh. And, and of course, we're hoping to receive wonderful gifts from people we love. But of course, often the idyllic picture that we have in our head isn't the reality of our Christmas experience. You know, somebody turns up three hours late and then somebody has a little bit too much to drink and then somebody starts a row. And to cap it off, sometimes the gifts that we get are a little bit disappointing. I don't know, have you ever had that experience where you, I'm pretty sure we all have had that experience actually, where you, you, know, you open the present and you're like, oh, thanks. And you, and you, and you don't quite know, in, inside you're thinking, you know, did you not get that link I shared with you on Black Friday? It's what I actually wanted. And I, I, I like red wine, not white. I support county, not forest. I haven't been able to fit into a size medium since 2005. Do you not know me anymore? I have a, I have a nut allergy, you know? Peanut M&Ms, seriously? And I think we've all had that experience where you open a gift and you think, does this person actually know me? And you don't feel treasured at all in that moment. And depending on our level of emotional maturity, what we then do is we, we spend the rest of the day either sulking or just at least moping around a little bit um, because we don't maybe feel as treasured as everybody else. You know, like even the dog 
got the biscuits that he likes. Why can't I get something that I... Who, just, just, who here would admit to have ever having got a bit sulky at Christmas? Just pop your hands up if you would. Yeah, some of you will admit it. Some of you are sulkers and fibbers because you've not put your hands up. <laughs> so I think it was helpful the way that Debbie, um, at the carol service last week, in that brilliant talk, she put it all in perspective, really, by reminding us that ultimately, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we can have confidence and assurance and delight in the fact that, that we are treasured in a way that we can't fully comprehend by God. He treasures us. He treasures you. And I think that's worth spending some time looking at because certainly this is the way I see it. I think that you know, when you look at the way we live our lives, from the way that we, that we seek approval and the way that we become disappointed when people maybe don't value us in the way that we perhaps hoped to be valued, even in the way we react when we feel a little bit snubbed at Christmas, I think there's maybe something about this, this truth, this fact that God treasures us that hasn't fully sunk into us. I think maybe it's something that perhaps we know up here, but it hasn't embedded in our hearts. And so we end up living lives where we, where we long to be treasured instead of knowing that we already are treasured. And I think that's a really important distinction to make. You know, if you think about, for different people in this room, each of us will have different roles that we'll be playing over the next couple of weeks through the Christmas season. Some of us will be, you know, we're, we're dads to, to people, or mums, or sons, or daughters. You might be cousins, brothers, sisters, grandparents, grandchildren to different people. And we've got to play those roles to different folks over the next couple of weeks. And I guess the question that I want to ask you is that as you step into those roles, do you want to embrace them as a person who's longing to be treasured by someone or somebody who knows that you already are? And which will have a more loving and positive effect on the people around you? So my aim really is that at the end of tonight we'll leave just having been reminded and maybe having had that truth sunk a little bit deeper into our hearts that we are treasured by God. And he wants to fill us so much with his love that it pours out of us into the people around us. So, to understand that, I want to just spend a bit of time considering what exactly does it look like to treasure somebody. And to illustrate that, I want to show you a treasured object of mine. So, oh, over the cello. So this here beautiful guitar is my one of my treasured possessions. Um, it's, it's, it's my first ever guitar. Since then, I've, I've bought and sold loads of different guitars, but, but I'll never sell this one because it's like the first one. And um, it's, it's, it's more like a toy, really, than a proper musical instrument. It cost, I don't know, like 20 quid or something like that from Argos 30 years ago. Um, but it's treasured to me. And the reason that it's treasured to me is, well, there's a couple of things that I'd highlight. One is that I, I really know this guitar. You know, there's probably, you go into charity shops around the country, you can find guitars like this for a pound. But I'm not interested in any of those. I'm interested in this one because I know it. It's been part of my life. I've spent literally hundreds of hours playing away on this guitar. Even now, my kids are growing up hearing me play silly songs on it to them. And so I treasure it because I know it. And I also treasure it because, um, because of that, I, I value it. 
Like I said, it's not really worth any much in, in monetary terms, but it's, it's worth something to me. I value it. Like, say, for example, this cat's guitar here, you could literally buy hundreds and hundreds of, uh, of guitars like this for just one of these. But if Cat was to say, hey, Bodas, do you, you want to swap? I probably would actually swap, to be fair. <laughs> to be fair, I would do. You can only push an illustration so far with integrity. But, <laughs> but, but I would think about it. And the point that I'm making is that this is valuable. I treasure it because I know it and because I value it. And I want to say that in the same way, we can know that Jesus treasures us because he, he knows us and he values us. So um, to illustrate that point of how he knows us, I want to show you um, a Christmas advert from last year. I know it's a bit of a cheesy thing to show you a Christmas advert, but it's for Boots, so I'm supporting a local business. I just like, I like that advert. And um, I don't know, have you ever had a moment like that where somebody gives you a present and you open it and, and it just says, I, I, I know you. You know I, know, I know about you. I know the things that you, that you love and I know the things that you hate and I, and I've, and I've, I, I understand what makes you laugh. Um, I've, been, I've been with you in life. I've walked with you through different seasons of life and I've, and I've got this thing because I know that you'll love it. It's a really cool moment. I was reflecting back to, you know, my childhood. I think my parents were really good. They, they always knew what gifts to get me. Um, you know, like, as a child, there was always something shiny and plastic and, and noisy that I wanted for Christmas. Um, but they would often go for toys that, 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 rather than those things, they would go for things that they knew would last and things that they knew would get used time and time again. Like, you know, the bike that was going to get used for uh, exploration and adventures in, in the summer. Or a musical instrument that would get cherished for decades. It was like they knew what I wanted before I knew what I wanted, if that makes sense. Because they knew me and they knew the person that I was becoming. And Jesus explained that this is a, a quality that we see perfected in our, in our heavenly Father. When Jesus was talking about prayer, he said, your Father knows what you need before you ask him, because he knows you. God knows us inside out. In Psalm 139, the verse has been up there while we're worshiping. It says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. And it continues, you're familiar with all of my ways. And I think the Old Testament has got lots of these kind of reminders that God, he knows us. And in the person of Jesus, we see that trait fleshed out. 
I don't know if you've ever noticed, when you, when you read the Gospels and you read the stories of Jesus live, when he met people, he, he, he knew them. He knew about them. He met, he met a woman at a well, and she ran, she ran from the encounter, um, shouting to people with her heart bursting. She said, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. I've met him, and he, he knows all about my past, and he, and he seems to know me right now. And he also knew what people were, but what, what they were becoming as well. When he, when he meets Simon, he says, oh, you know, your name was Simon, but I'm going to call you Peter, the rock, because, because Jesus knew the real person. He knew who he was, but he also knew who he was becoming. And in the same way, he knows you. He knows where you've been. He knows who you are right now. He knows the person you're becoming, and he knows what you need to get there. You know, Jesus, he, he knew the condition of the world that he stepped into. He knew the problems, he knew the injustice, the wounds that people were bearing, the fears, the insecurities, the addictions. He knew it all. And so as, as he started his ministry, he explained exactly what he'd come to bring. He walked into the, um, into the temple and he, and he read from Isaiah and he said, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's the gift that he brought to the world. That's the gift of Christmas. That's the gift that we get to open every day of our lives and go, wow, how did you, how did you know that's what we needed? If you can tell how well a person knows you by the, by the kind of gifts that they give you, in his coming to the world and his giving of himself to the world, the original Christmas gift, Jesus demonstrated that he, he knows humanity. He knows where we were. He knows where we're becoming, what we're becoming and what we need to get there. Adoption, blessing, grace, forgiveness, redemption, salvation, it's an amazing gift. And it shows how well he knows us because it's all that we need. And it also shows us how much he values us because, of course, it cost him so much to give us that gift. Jesus treasures you because he values you. I remember, as, again, as a, as a child, I grew up um, on a council estate surrounded by a fair amount of, of poverty. And I remember there was this one lady on her street. She lived a few doors down. And she was uh, a single mum, and she was trying to raise her daughter. And um, it was, you know, she, it, she was struggling to, to just do life, basically. And I remember my mum kind of, like, took her under her wing a little bit. And they would chat on the street, and, um, and she would um, she'd knock on the door to see mum. And mum would, every time she came around, mum would always... She, She'd always give her some cigarettes because she never had any money for cigarettes. So mum, mum used to do, do that. And she used to often give her some money to make ends meet. And I remember it got to the point where um, if she knocked on the door and mum was out or she wasn't available, we'd just go like, into mum's purse and fetch some cigarettes out and give them to this lady. And um, I remember one Christmas, um, she came to the door, though, and instead she'd brought mum a gift and uh, I remember she, she, she brought this ornament, and it was, it was like a plastic bird's nest 
about that big, and it had these little plastic birds on it. And when you walked past it, it obviously had sensors on it, so the birds would electronically cheep at you when you went past it. And, I mean, it was the tackiest thing that I've ever seen in my life. And this was obviously in the 80s when things were pretty tacky already. It took it to another level. And I remember my sister and I just, like, just mocked it. But my mum was serious, and she was like, this is precious. And, you know, those glass cabinets in the living room, she moved stuff out of the way. She put it front and center. And she treasured that gift because she knew that it was a costly gift. She knew for that, for that lady to have, to have made that sacrifice, it was evidence that she treasured her relationship with mum. There's something about costly gifts that convey this sense that we, that we treasure the person that we're giving that gift to. We treasure that relationship. And that's why at Christmas we, we, we save up, don't we? And we fork out for you know, people's favorite perfume and we queue up for the toy that they want. And of course, it's not just as simple as, as just spending money. Money is not a replacement for, for loving somebody. Uh, money's not a replacement for genuine affection. But it sometimes follows after it, doesn't it? When we truly treasure someone, like the woman who poured the expensive perfume over, over Jesus' feet, it will often prompt us to lavish costly gifts upon a person. And of course, Christmas is a time when we remember and celebrate the costliest gift of all. Like Nige just reminded us to just press the pause button and reflect on what Jesus did. Like it says in 1 John 3.16, this is how we know what love is, that Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. So we know that Jesus treasures us because he knows us inside out. He knows what we need and he came to give us the gift that we need. And he considers us worth saving. He values us so much that he was willing to sacrifice his own life in order to give us that gift. And so we can have confidence that he treasures us because of those things. But I want to add in, also we can have confidence that he treasures us finally because, because he actually wants to spend time with us. And Christmas is a time when we can remember that. Christmas is a time when, for us, what we'll probably be doing over the next couple of weeks is we demonstrate that we treasure family and loved ones by, by showing up, don't we? You know, we have to brave the traffic and we listen to Chris Rea driving home to Christmas all the way there. And sometimes we feel like, you know, we deserve a bit of a pat on the back for, for braving the M1 or getting on a train. But consider what Jesus did to, to be with us on that first Christmas. He left his, his heavenly throne and he crossed kingdoms and galaxies and he bent the rules of physics and biology, and he submitted himself to things like time and humanity, and he became a fragile baby in a womb, and he did all of those things just so that he could be with us. He poured the fullness of his deity into a human body and was born into a dangerous world, taking on the nature of a servant, also, he could be, like Nigel said, Emmanuel, God with us. Also, that he could spend time with us. And that leaves us with a choice. He has shown that he knows us, he values us, he wants to spend time with us, he wants to spend Christmas treasuring us. 
And so the question that we have to ask is, do we want to spend Christmas with him? Do we want to spend Christmas longing for somebody to treasure us or actually knowing and loving the fact that we already are treasured? Like I said at the start, Christmas is a time where, you know, often our expectations don't actually meet the reality uh, or the, the reality doesn't meet the expectations that we have of Christmas, you know. And, and some of us will probably have a brilliant Christmas. Others of us, it might not be so great. Some of us will receive gifts that are like, wow, how did you know? Others of us might receive rubbish gifts or no gifts at all. Some of us will get to spend time with the people that we love. Others um, might be facing a Christmas where you're feeling lonely or feeling lost. Some of us will experience warmth and laughter. Others might be facing pain and challenge and conflict. But all of us have a choice about whether we spend Christmas consciously embracing the assurance that God treasures you. And I was thinking as I was writing this, you know, just just thinking about how many living rooms and how many tables all of us in this room right now are going to be going to over the next couple of weeks, the people that we're going to be around, all the different situations that we'll find ourselves in. And imagine what a difference it would make if all of us went to those places as a person who's, who's not longing to be treasured by somebody, but actually knows that they already are and feels so filled with, with love and affirmation from Jesus that it kind of pours out of you into the lives around you. That would, that would make us better uncles and aunts and husbands and wives and brothers and sisters and grandparents and grandchildren and so on and so on, friends and, and colleagues. And so that's my prayer for us all. My prayer is that I pray that you would have a happy Christmas, but you would be spending that Christmas in the knowledge that you are known, you are loved, you are valued by Jesus. He treasures you with a, with a passion that you can't understand. And he wants to spend every moment of this Christmas with you. And I pray that you would enjoy spending it with him.